0: When he arrived at State House in Tebby, General Amin announced himself as the Black Hitler, the name given to him by the liberal leader Jeremy Thorpe. He said he was happy with the title because it meant he was a strong, tough man. But that wasn't the only
1: nickname Idi Amin had. Some called him a cannibal. He called himself His Excellency President for Life Field Marshal al haji Dr. Idi Amin Dada. VC, DSO, MC... Lord of all the beasts of the earth and the fishes of the seas and conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general and Uganda in particular. He was also known as the Butcher of Uganda, a violent, uneducated terror, the leader of the original Banana Republic. Did he deserve such malignant description? Here is his story. Blind History, Season 3, and an episode on a villain today. People like the villains. They like them more than the the good guys. I love the villains, but um, I don't like this guy. (laughs) No. We're focused today on Idi Amin, someone from our own continent and someone who was alive during our own lifetimes. In fact, he only died in 2003. Correct. Saudi Arabia. Right. president of Uganda for only eight years, but my God, those eight years... They say he could have murdered up to 500,000 people Mm. during that time. And by murdered, we mean in brutal, horrible ways, like pieces of people's body washing up on the banks of the Nile. I mean, horrible stuff. So he was born in 1925 or so because nobody really knows. Mm. A lot of rumor. We don't really know what his mother and father's true identity might have been.
0: But Just that his father left when he was young. Yeah, and his father was from a, a tribe called the Kakwa. It was from a small ethnic tribe. so Yeah, they weren't the majority. No, they weren't here. the majority. And that drove him a little bit later on.
1: And he was a Muslim, a convert, who changed his name to Dada. And that was the name that Idi Amin inherited, Idi Amin Dada. Um, his mother was from a tribe called the Lugbara. And in 1946, when he was starting to become a man, he joined the King's African Rifles. He was a cook there in the beginning, moved up the ranks to become a lieutenant, and when Uganda gained independence in 1962, he was in the National Defense Force. He rose up the ranks there very quickly as well, and by 1965, he was commander of the army under the then president, Milton Obote. Now, he planned to arrest Idi Amin because the two of them had drifted apart a little bit. They'd been... Real buddies for a long time, helping each other to do all kinds of cross-border ivory trade Correct. and gold and all kinds of things. Yeah. But suddenly they fell out. And at that point, there was apparently an arrest warrant out for Idi Amin. And he acted while Milton Obote was in Singapore at a conference and arranged a coup d'etat, basically. Successful. Took it. Yeah. Took the country. You've got to admire the guy's balls yeah. at this point. There's lots to talk about when it comes to his policies, the things that got him into trouble, and all the rest of it. But let's not forget that he was the OAU, which was the predecessor to the AU. He was the OAU chair in 1975. He was well known at that time for being one of the strong African leaders post-independence. He he made a couple of moves that were very, very stupid. But the overall title is the butcher of Uganda. Correct.
0: Probably something he deserved. Half a million people, 100% tyrant rule of terror what do you know about the guy from a physical appearance point of view he was a big man six foot four imposing so not a not a light six foot four he was very heavy as well he was quite a good sportsman um he was national ugandan lightweight light heavyweight sorry it can be lightweight but light no. heavyweight and i often wondered <laughs> light heavyweight but at six foot <laughs> there four, must have been some big guys exactly. in uganda <laughs> yeah. if he was a light heavyweight and he was champion right? he was champion for nine years so he was, um, later on, I think he just told the guys, I'm still champion. <laughs> but but in the beginning, it was an impressive fight. He was a swimmer. A lot of people don't know about that. They know about the boxing. But he was also mm. a rugby player. Yeah, and that's also something that people don't know about.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was a lock. Listen, so if you got into a fight with this guy, he could probably take you out. Yeah. Just sheer brute force. Yeah. Someone described him, though, saying he's virtually bone from the neck up. And needs things explained in words of one letter. (laughs) That's not high praise. (laughs) So he wasn't the brightest guy.
0: No, I don't think so. I think his brain was an extension (laughs) of his nervous system. (laughs) (laughs) They were all just scared of him. They were shit scared of him. I think that was their thing. Well, there was reason to be
1: scared of the guy. Not only his imposing physical size, but we also know that he was not, apart from his lack of general intelligence, he was not a nice person. Like He was vindictive and cruel and quite barbarian in the way that he, he ruled over mm. Uganda for those eight years. I mentioned the bodies that were dumped into the Nile, but there are stories about how he had a, a fridge in his house with the heads of some of his enemies and one of his ex-wives in it. A fridge Jeez. with heads in it. Oh, that's frightening. He'd invite guests around and he'd show them just so that they'd behave themselves Scary. and know that
0: a coup was not a good idea against yeah. him. He started killing journalists, politicians. It was just frightening what he did. They saw signs of it when he was in the African rifles. And that was a British colony at the time prior to the independence. And it was brutal in interrogation. He would cut the ear off. And then while the guy's bleeding with the ear, and I say, are you going to talk now? And then he would cut a finger off and it was frightening. What he did, he was really, it was just scary And that was before he started getting close to Ubuntu And it was earlier on in his career He started showing this He had a fourth grade English education Which is not great No, I mean, like he'd
1: spent four years at school And decided it wasn't for him <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe his <laughs> teachers decided that And if you listen to clips Because you can find The nice thing about living history
0: mm. now Is that we have archival footage of him making speeches Going mm. on the radio the big thing here is his charismatic, very charismatic, like a cult. They were drawn yeah. to him. And in the beginning of his presidency, just after the coup, he actually did a lot of good by freeing political prisoners. Yeah. But that didn't take long until he started just going psychotic.
1: Well, he also changed allegiance because the Israelis who had been giving him weapons up to a certain time suddenly stopped. And then mm-hmm. he became a vicious anti-Israel, anti-Jewish yes. campaigner. He That's joined correct. with some pretty awful people. He sided with the Soviet Union, Mobutu Seko, East Germany, the Saudis, basically anyone who would give him stuff to be on their side.
0: And it was part of that hijacking of well, the
1: French airliner? I mean, that's a great story because it's quite a famous story. It's been made into a movie and all the rest of it. And what happened was that, as I remember, the plane, which was an Air France liner that was going from... Tel Aviv to Paris, was hijacked and they rerouted to Uganda because he said, you hijackers can come here. Mm, Exactly. They landed in Entebbe Air Force Base and that was proclaimed some kind of great victory for the PLO, who were the main hijackers. They're the Palestinian Liberation Organization. However, the Israelis were taking no shit, uh, filled up five or four cargo planes, came into Entebbe. It took them less than a day to rescue all but one of the hostages Funnily enough, the commander of that mission was the older brother of the current Israeli president, Benjamin Netanyahu. Really? Yeah, prime minister. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there were 156 non-Jewish passengers who were released by Idi Amin. 83 Jews and Israeli citizens were kept hostage. And there were 20 others who refused to go, even though they weren't Israeli or Jewish. They wanted to stay with the rest of them in solidarity, including the crew and the captain. And there was one woman who wasn't rescued. And when this whole thing happened, it was very embarrassing for Idi Amin because it took less than a day for the Israelis mm. to complete. It made him. made him look absolutely stupid. And he was furious. So he took it out on all of his Ugandan people and he found this one old woman and had her shot as well, yeah. the one hostage. Who, she was in hospital. Nervous and And no then dragged her out of the hospital and shot her. Yeah.
0: Plus all of his whoever was in charge of any part of the operation that got taken out by the Israelis, he killed all of them. Not a nice man. One of the other things is that he was supposedly
1: married six times. So it's not just Henry VIII who had six wives. It's <laughs> Idi Amin as well. We only know about four, maybe five of them. There's a woman called Kay who's, who was mutilated and her pieces were sent to the hospital. <laughs> and so, someone said, oh, this is the president's wife. And no one asked questions. Uh, there were three divorces. And one of the girls was a go-go dancer called Sarah. Have you heard about Suicide Sarah? No, I haven't heard about Suicide S- Sarah. fascinating. So Suicide Sarah was his longest-lived wife. Um, she was part of what they called the Revolutionary Suicide Mechanized Regiment Band, who used to play at all his events. <laughs> and then commit suicide. <laughs> Sounds like Jabba the Hut <laughs> with those, <laughs> those people who – like a crime boss. Yeah. <laughs> and he, she was a go-go dancer yeah. in the band. And he went, mm, she's quite nice, and married her. Yeah. And Arafat was the best man at their wedding. Really? Oh, yes. Yeah. She, after he escaped to Saudi Arabia, lived with him for a little while and then went to England. And she died in 2015. Sure. She had a hairdressing salon in Tottenham. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. <but that's-> <laughs> <laughs> suicide this <laughs> <Sarah>. Suicide suicide. Ser-
1: <laughs> and he's reputed to have had between 32 and 54 children. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But again, we don't know exactly how hmm. many. But one of his
0: stupid moves
1: was to get rid of the Asians. Well, it was a very bad move because what happened was he decided that all of these people who were mostly uh, from India, but Mm. a generation ago, had opened up shops. They were very industrious people, about 80,000 of them. Well, he said, tomorrow you're all out. And they had… A day or two to get out to get they out of the abandoned country. their shops, and then he gave all their businesses to his own supporters mm. and basically, whoever could run the fastest to take occupation of the shop, of course, very few of these survived because yeah. the entire economy collapsed well, like, there. Yeah. and that was one of the chief reasons why it collapsed absolutely um, and there 's still people all over Britain who are the refugees effectively mm.
0: of idi amin 's purge of yeah. of, of, Asians. Rain of terror, horrible. He and called, then homosexuals, he, 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 oh yeah, anybody they, that was known for that, they'd be they were killed. not good.
1: And uh, his successor, who wears a funny hat, Yoweri Museveni, yes, he ended up being um, just as as homophobic in the next generation. Yeah. So it's something that Uganda is well known for.
0: Yeah,
1: don't go there and be gay. Yeah, not good. Um, there are stories that he was a cannibal, and when he was asked if he was a cannibal, he liked to play up these stories because it made people fearful of him. He didn't mind being. Misrepresented slightly in the press, and he said, no, "No, I'm not a cannibal. Human flesh is too
0: salty. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because there was not. cannibalism. You know, in his tribe there was cannibalism. Oh yes. Yeah, we grew up. Yeah, and he, he did uh, supposedly eat the liver of his archbishop. Sure. This is really, I mean, <laughs> very un- yes! very unpleasant man. <laughs> you know." I've- so this would put me off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you liked him before? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I never loved old Eddie.
1: There was also obviously a, a very famous portrayal of him in Forrest Whitaker's representation of his story in The Last King of Scotland, for which he won the Oscar in 2006. It was based on a book by a guy who actually knew Idi Amin. Really? Yeah. So they hinted a lot of this cannibalism and mm. heads in the fridge and all the rest of it there too. But ultimately, he ended up in Saudi Arabia. In exile, voluntary yeah. exile in this case But he
0: went via Libya with no surprises there No, because Gaddafi was also
1: his chum yeah. And do you know who who looked after him in Saudi Arabia? The Saudi royal family paid him a nice stipend Just to not be political They gave him sanctuary there And they put him on the top two floors Of the
0: Novotel mm. Hotel in Jeddah Where he lived until he died It's incredible Ordering killing of 500,000 people And he
1: got away with it. And he got away with
0: it and he died peacefully in Saudi. Well, I don't know about... He had kidney failure. He was enormously fat towards the end. Yeah.
1: And he he would just eat tons and tons of oranges. (laughs) (laughs) This is is what he... Yeah. Just oranges, oranges, (laughs) oranges, and getting bigger and bigger the whole time. And
0: then it just exploded. (laughs) But the the interesting thing is normally with the ex-wife, you don't want to have her around, but he kept her in his fridge. I mean... For a long time, I would have, I would would question his quite some sanity. Yeah. So there's the story of Idi Amin.
1: Blind history is brought to you by Taylor Blinds and Shutters. All the episodes are available on the CliffCentral.com website and app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The next episode tells the story of Henry VIII's unfortunate wives. Apparently he arrived once in England. He didn't warn anyone he was coming. And he landed at Heathrow or at Stansted Airport, one of the two, got off the plane and there was panic because he hadn't arranged a state visit. And usually when you're, you know, head of state comes to mm. visit they have dinner with the queen. And so they hurriedly called the queen back from the country. She put together a dinner for the day after. And at the dinner, she said, um, uh, Mr. President, what's your reason for visiting? And he said, it's very difficult to get his size 11 shoes in (laughs) Uganda. That was the whole reason he'd come. That was why he was there.